You're listening to the Tennis.com Podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hello, everyone. Tennis.com Podcast, World Tour Finals Edition. I am Ed McGrogan here with Pete Bodo, Richard Pagliaro, fresh off a viewing session of the gripping Joe Willie Song and Marty Fish match. Um, But there is actually some more today to discuss beyond that. We uh, just, as soon as we uh, lined up here, Found out that Andy Murray pulled out of the uh, tournament groin injury. Just got the wire story in a few minutes ago. Um, and there was speculation after Murray's first match that he was going to pull the plug here. He talked about how if this wasn't um, a slam or this event, really, I think if if it wasn't in London, I think he would have kind of you know gone gone a little earlier. But he ended up playing, uh, losing to Ferrer and Straits, and now his year's over. And this really after. Uh, a sweep of the Asian tournaments, and you know, I think a lot of people kind of pick Murray to win this event, maybe end this year with something a little bit of a building block as to what he's done. So, what do you guys, you know, think about this beyond the injury? Of course, that's you know nothing we can talk about really there, but it's really about Murray's state right now. Well, part of you just rolls wants to roll your eyes and say, "Oh gosh, here we go again with Murray." You know, he, you know, he goes off to Asia. You know, does all his great work under cover of night. You know, wins a lot of matches, and you know, and, and then comes back, and now you know, the stage is set. You know, just like it was in Australia last year. Uh, although we did see what Djokovic went on to accomplish after beating. Murray in the Australian Open final, but you know another oppor- bottom line, another opportunity blown. I know it's a perfect, perfectly legitimate reason. I don't, you know, don't question it. But you got to start wondering: Is there a Murray Jenks? I mean, is Murray doomed to like, you know, not? Has he ever been on the cover? Has he ever been on the cover of Tennis Magazine? <laughs> there you go. I don't think he has actually. No, that's that's not true. No, he long has, time ago. I yes, he was. But I mean, yeah, he hasn't won since then. No, I don't know what Rich thinks, but uh, you know it's, it's it's discouraging. Yeah, it's disheartening because uh, you know, as you said, he had that great run from the U.S. Open straight on through, and here's a place where I felt like he could really, at least his comments pre-tournament, sort of channel the crowd instead of a, use it as a burden, use it sort of as a bonus to to help him. And he, you know, he obviously didn't look right yesterday. Then again, even when he's right, he doesn't always look right because he has that sort of. It's a good way to say um, it. It's true. Yeah, you know look about him but i also thought that Federer's pre-tournament comment about yeah he had a great asian swing but who was really there i thought that might prod him a little bit but you know that, hurt, that will hurt. pick up some steam you guys yeah. know the uh the neil Harmons of the world what are they going to say about this one what are they how are they going to phrase this well they're gonna they're they're actually look they're they're in andy's camp basically right and i, I, I mean they're all yeah they're only going they're Riding off his coattails. Oh, they're Andy's boys. You know, I mean, and, and you know, if you, uh, I, I wanted to write a post about this at the U.S. Open. I'm going to get to that one of these days because basically they have a wonderful relationship with Murray. I mean, they all follow each other on Twitter. Now, I, I think most of the American journalists would give their eye teeth to, you know, be followed on Twitter by Andy Roddick. You know, most of the French guys would be flattered if Joe Willy Tonga was, you know, was tweeting with them, you know, and, and like giving him crap and stuff. You know, so, you know, Murray's got a very good relationship with those guys. I think he's pretty honest with those guys, you know. So I, they're, they're going to look at it through Murray's eyes and say, gee, what a pity. Poor Andy. Bad luck. Right. Bollocks. Yeah, of course. So so uh, let's move on from there to the actual, uh, actual tennis here. In a few hours, I just want to have a quick word on this Federer Nadal 26 here coming up. Um, Pete, I, I, you didn't seem too enthused about this one from what I saw when I, when I popped in the, the, the uh, TV with you watched the match there. You sort of c- compared this. <laughs> That's it, put me on the spot. <laughs> 
I, you gotta Review think of something. Behind, yeah, yeah. Get, behind this... the scenes banter now coming out. Yeah, exactly. you know? This is what we try to give you. That's gonna tell everyone Pete had the magic potion. This is what we try to give you here with the podcast here. But but honestly, you you made a comparison to Sampras Agassi essentially. So why? So can you just elaborate on that quickly? Well, you know, really because I think everybody that's still the rivalry that's stuck in everybody's mind. Let's face it: the way Djokovic owned him, and then and and and. And Nadal. even you had a had a superior record to Federer, you know, uh, you, you got to say, well, yeah, sure, it is, you know, it, it, it's moved on, and there is no other rivalry. It's still really the outstanding rivalry. I understand that, but it's a little bit, you know, it's kind of funny. I just get this almost a sense that it's kind of a nostalgia match already. Well, it and is it in a way because I mean, if I mean, the peak years of that rivalry are quite a bit, quite a few years ago. I think at this point, I think, I think really, you know, with that Wimbledon match between them in two thousand eight, it, it's. It turned out to be the perfect storm for so many reasons, but it, but uh, you know of, of of the drama that built into that match. But it's really just the match that kind of stamped where this, you know, rivalry went and everything. What do you just a quick you know quick thing? What do you think is going to happen today? With I think two? if if Federer plays the way he's been playing, I, I think he, I give him the edge. I, I will say that I understand what Pete's saying, but I think at this stage in the rivalry, if they're going to play, I'd rather see him play indoors than almost. Anywhere else, because I do think that helps Federer as far no, you as you don't want to see him more... play at Roland Garros. <laughs> <laughs> no, no I, I just think it's a more interesting match because it brings out a little bit of his aggression and coming forward a little bit more because the bounce is lower, the court's a little bit quicker, and I think for those reasons, it's 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 been more entertaining for me as a spectator anyway when they're indoors. I think it's nicely teed up for Federer. I feel kind of bad for Nadal in a sense because the guy's had a tough year. He's getting – he got real beat up by Djokovic. You can tell he's hurting. I mean yesterday, the other day, he had a big tummy ache or something and he didn't – you know, he said he, he was barely lucky to survive. That's becoming a bit of a narrative with Nadal that I'm not all that happy about. Is it? You know, it's always like he's at death's door, whether it's a stomach ache or his injury or something else, but it's – or exhaustion from playing on a tour. I mean, you know, he wins his matches, but, you know, his record is almost as good as ever. But he's a, there's a there's quite a bit of uh, oh you know I I almost couldn't make this I almost couldn't do it and I don't know if that's really a good thing but this really teed up for Federer pretty well here I think his fast score game is great he's got 12 straight wins coming in he's feeling confident and he's got Nadal on the surface he'd like to have him on right and the narrative you, that you know having said all that though remember we were all pumped up for when they played in Miami and look what happened there he took it to him and that wasn't even you know wasn't even competitive at points. So, uh, I, you know, I'm interested to see. And he tends to get stronger on uh, Nadal. I like Nadal plays, on that Miami surface, though. Yeah, yeah it's true. And had also a good the conditions, it's a heavier, heavier conditions there. But, I, yeah, I mean, I definitely give Federer the edge today. But, I, you know, Nadal has a way of working his way into the into events. Thinking of the um, of the, the other main player, uh, Djokovic, that we haven't talked upon, uh, he's going to benefit from this Murray pullout here. Um, Pretty significantly, his group contains Burdich and um, and Ferrer. Tipsarovic is going to slide in for Murray here, and Djokovic yesterday uh, goes on saves a match point to beat Burdich. Um, I don't know what the I think the expectations for Djokovic coming to this event were pretty slim, you know, pretty tepid. I think all around, considering he was, you know. Recently beaten by Nishikori, had had a, almost all of his latest losses have been, I think most people would agree, injury impacted in some way. Um, you know, Djokovic. I, I guess, what do you want to make of 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 what he can still? Can he still gain anything out of this year? And does he have to 
you know, does, what is he looking at going forward with this new, with this new Murrayless group here? You guys, I think, have watched Djokovic a little bit play, and um, you know, I was sort of surprised to see him get out of that Burridge match with the win. Actually, I know Arias, like you said, had really kind of he nailed it. He he had the ace in the sleep every time, and he kept saying throughout that match, "There's no way." Djokovic is going to lose this end, even though it looks pretty dire from it sometimes. No, that, that, much to much to his much to his credit, I think Jimmy was absolutely right. He's a terrific commentator, by the way. I think outstanding. I, I'd love to see him get more work and on bigger occasions. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Look, I think Djokovic needs to win this thing. If, no, if Djokovic doesn't win this thing, especially now with his wingman Tipsarevich in there instead of instead of Murray, you know, you know, people are going to go into next year saying, you know what, the guy had an unbelievable run. But he ran out of steam and he broke down. And all this stuff about the diet and about the fitness and all this other stuff is going to a little bit, you know, be be downplayed and say, you know, they're going to say, yeah, you know, he shot his wad and now he's, you know, he's, he needs some rest. He's not going to get that much rest because it's a short off season. And let's see what he can back up given how much he's got to defend next year. He's going to be in a tough position next year. I mean, he's had a wonderful year. I mean, obviously, it doesn't need saying. But I think, I think, you know. Uh, you kind of wish he would have been able to sustain it like those other guys did when they had those great seasons. But at the end of his – after the U.S. Open, his his year has been a mess basically, mostly for injury reasons. I know that. But still, that counts. That's going to help you know shape the way other people see him and the way he sees himself. His serve, you know, his serve was, you know – Really pretty dodgy against Joe, uh, against Berdick there. It certainly wasn't a, a real useful weapon and tool. It was almost like it was going back a little bit. Like Nadal, after his big serving year at the U.S. Open, wins in the U.S. Open, never served better in his life. Then the next thing you know, next year, this year, meaning in 2011, that serve has gone away again. So I don't know. There are a lot of questions if Djokovic doesn't win this. On the other hand, if he does manage to win it, maybe he wipes out some of these questions. Right, exactly. Yeah, and I, I think you're talking about running out of steam here. We're talking about Nadal doing this or I'm uh, sorry, Murray before. And, you know, the emerging narrative, I think of this whole thing is that Federer, even at age 30 is still managing to, I guess, correctly pace himself or get the most out of this schedule. Um, you know, this year long thing where there really is no off season. It's really only nominally said. Um, and so, you know, any, any final thoughts, Richard, I guess on what you've seen so far at the tournament and, you know, looking ahead to the, to the next few days? I think the big thing I've seen for, through the first few matches is how those elite guys, you know, Federer, Djokovic, it's the match management and, and, and managing the emotion. I mean, you saw Fish had, he had chances against Nadal for sure, and he gets in the breaker, or the forehand falls apart, he's a little indecisive, a little nervous. Those guys don't, that doesn't happen with them. I mean, Nadal, even though he hasn't been playing, he's not in full form. You see how he places a premium on every point, mentally, physically, he takes it to you, wears you down. And the same thing with Federer. Look so at what does that bode? Let me interrupt for a second, Rich. What does that bode for the Sanga Nadal. I think match. that's a hell of a match. I think that's a blockbuster match. I think Sanga can't have these loose points like he did a, a little bit today against Fish. But, you know, I think even look at Federer Sanga. He gets him, you know, 4 5 Sanga serving to stay in the match. He gets down on 30. Federer just knows how to lean on those guys and extract you know, the air or draw the pressure and, and work the situation. And, you know, you win that title five times, you definitely know what you're doing. Yeah, it's, you know, it's as we said, you know, they call it the uh, big four, top four. If you want to just call it three, you're, I think you're within your right to for a reason. I mean, they clearly have, you know, a cut above the Ferrers, yeah. the Burdiches, the Sangas. And Djokovic also saying that his shoulder feels better now. I think that's encouraging, and, unless it's just speak. You know, yeah, you, just hope, you hope it is. I think it's Federer's tournament, tournament to lose. 
Yep, I think certainly at this point with Murray gone, and you know, there goes my pick, of course. So, anyways, um, we'll be back next week, another podcast with uh, Richard Pagaro, Pete Bodo, Ed McGrogan, and I will also be heading to Seville, Spain for the Davis Cup final. It should be said, so we will discuss is, that. Yeah, you're going to try some bullfighting, Eddie? If if time permits, you know that's what you're there for. That's He's what you recruiting do. for the Buffalo Bills down there. They need, oh, exactly. they, 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 they need it actually. FIFA. They need some bulls on there on that line. Low blow, low blow. All right, thank you for listening. Tune in next time. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com. 